Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Ray GQ. He can be found on Twitter at Ray GQ. That's Q-U-E. Ray, welcome back into the podcast, brother. Happy to be here, man. Excited to talk some Dynasty with you, Yates. we got a lot to dive into, a lot to dive into. I'm excited, man. A lot to get to, and of course, as we wrap up the 2021 fantasy football season, crazy that it has come to a close here. Uh, it's uh, There's a lot that we have to get to, and a lot to look back on, a really interesting conversation here today, so I'm excited to get into that. Before we do, I want to remind everyone that you can watch this podcast over on YouTube at youtube.com slash fantasypros. You can find all of the Dynasty podcasts moving forward over there, along with some quick-hitting videos and live streams, so if you enjoy this content, if you like watching the podcast over here on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, help us out in a big way, and also hit the bell to get notified when new content drops. Again, that is over at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Ray, before we get into 2021's biggest takeaways, I have to ask you a question as we look forward into the 2022 offseason and looking at startup drafts that are going to kick off and they're going to kick off in, in, uh, in high gear here pretty soon. Who is, in your opinion, the QB1 in Dynasty Startup Drafts this offseason? Oh, man, this is this is such a tough, loaded question. And no matter what quarterback answer I give you, the YouTube commenters will let me know how <laughs> wrong I am yep. on this one. But it's it's honestly, I, I mean, for years, it's been Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, this one is tough for me, Yates. And I was not this player's, this quarterback's biggest fan uh, coming out in the NFL draft in 2018. I was very skeptical early in his career, and it seemed to be warranted. But right now, it is hard-pressed for me, me personally, to put anybody ahead of Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Just his ability to to dominate the game on the ground and through the air. And that offense can only get better. If they get a running back this upcoming draft class to help, you know, alleviate some of the carries that he has to take, 
it's hard for me to find another quarterback. I know Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert, and I think Joe Burrow has 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 some right to be mentioned in the conversation as well. But for me, if I'm at 101 and I need a quarterback, I'm probably taking Josh Allen. That's the same camp that I'm in. You know, if I'm sitting there and I've got the 101 in a super flex draft, stuff like that, like I, I think I am going to be taking Josh Allen above the rest of the guys. But it's an interesting conversation because for years it has been Patrick Mahomes. And then even last year or the year before, we were talking about, okay, can Lamar Jackson be that guy? You know, we saw that happen in startup drafts where we saw Lamar Jackson go before Patrick Mahomes in a couple of spots. And then you had Kyler Murray. And maybe if this rookie, this past rookie class, any of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, I mean, if we had seen Trey Lance the majority of the year like if any of those guys had been able to step up they might have worked their way into that conversation as well but for me with his age still in consideration it's hard for me to pass on Josh Allen there at the number one spot I thought that was a fun conversation to kick off though because yeah. there are it, it, it's not like it's unanimous right and it's going to depend no. on the people that are there at the uh, sitting there at the number one spot as to who that number one quarterback goes it could still be Patrick Mahomes in certain situations but I do think that Josh Allen is probably the correct answer well, well, yes, right. I, I think well, real. I think this too. It's not an indictment on Herbert or Kyler Murray or Lamar or Patrick Mahomes. They're all great, and if you're really asking me, I would love to trade back to like 103 and right, see exactly. what quarterback's sitting there at 103. But if you, you know, you're saying you have to pick at 101, I think we're on the same page. It's it's hard to pass on Josh Allen. Absolutely. All right, man, let's move into the 2021's biggest takeaways. And and these could be player specific. They could be themes that we've kind of noticed, things that we want to, at the conclusion of this season, look back on and say, I want to remember this. I, these are things that I want to be able to take away from this season and apply moving forward. So we've each got five here. I want to turn this over to you. What is your first takeaway as you look at the conclusion of the 2021 fantasy football season? Yeah, I think my big takeaway moving forward is situation 100% matters. It matters, good and bad. I think a lot of times, especially coming into this season, for me personally, I overlooked some of the very, very bad situations. The Jacksonville situation, uh, the New York Jets, you know, teams like the Lions. And I get you can find players here and there, but a lot of the time we're trying to sort of dumpster dive and, and clearance shop for these players on these bad teams, bad situations. The coaching philosophy isn't there. And I mean, you look at the Jacksonville team, none of those players really returned any value that you drafted. None of them, Trevor Lawrence. And I know dynasty is the long game. The jets, it was great to see Zach Wilson have a good week, but overall majority of those players have been unstartable in fantasy football this season Whereas, you know, those are some of the bad examples, but some of the good examples, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals in that situation and what they want to do. They want to air it out. And I know a lot of people were afraid of T. Higgins, you know, a little bit scared of Tyler Boyd. And all three of those pass catchers, including Joe Mixon, have been weekly starters for us in fantasy right. football. So I think moving forward, I, and I don't, Kyle, I, I, I still don't know how much weight to put into situation but but I definitely I'm looking around and and there's a big difference between NFL situation and fantasy. The, the NFL landing spot for 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 Mac Jones and Jonu Smith and like the situation is good for them to win games. But from a fantasy perspective, it's just like you, you really don't want to start any of those guys week right. in and week out. And I know Dynasty is a long game, but I think good and bad situation 100 percent matters. 
And I think the important thing to take away from that theme is we spent so much of the offseason arguing over who we have at wide receiver two versus wide receiver four and five, you know, and it's like that is all going to change. Like and it's important to do that because it can prove who can evaluate talent. But yet at the same time, like to be able to go so hard after someone for disagreeing or having a different perception because the situation does completely matter. We loved Najee Harris coming out last year and Harris was fine for redraft fantasy football, but the situation that he fell in sucked. Like the offense is just terrible and the offensive line can't even block for him, you know? So it's like those kind of things where we have Najee Harris and we argued about who we have at RB one. Is it Travis Etienne? Is it whatever? Like those kind of things, those don't matter in the long run when we can evaluate knowing the landing spots. That's when we truly need to evaluate how it all plays out from a fantasy football perspective. So completely agree with you, man. For me, I'm going to go with my first takeaway here is take shots on the mid round rookie running backs. The guys in the second and third round, maybe even fourth round of your rookie drafts here, where I I don't know, like we talked about it in the offseason, we had the top five, right? We had Najee Harris, we had Travis Etienne, Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter, you know, those guys that fit in there. And then we said, anyone after that, like, okay, you can work Trey Sermon into the conversation because of his landing spot. You, and then after that, it's like, I don't know if it's really worth it to take shots on any of these running backs. And for me, I didn't do that. I, I stopped at the top five guys and then was like, I'll let someone else take the shot on Elijah Mitchell. We don't know how that's going to play out. Khalil Herbert, I'll let them take. And for me going into next year, I'm going to say if I've got those second and third round picks, I'm taking shots on those guys because the depth at the running back position is so crucial. And we're seeing so many starters go down with injury. And even if we aren't seeing those guys go down with injury, we're seeing that the the NFL is moving towards more of committee approaches. We're seeing guys be involved in their offenses, even if the starter is still there, right? So I think that's something that I wanted to take away from this year is looking back at specifically guys like Elijah Mitchell and Khalil Herbert, who saw Chuba Hubbard is another guy. Like Chuba didn't turn into a league winner, but it's like, he was valuable for a period of time because the starter went down and I don't have those guys on any of my dynasty rosters because I just completely wrote them off because I was like, I'll let someone else deal with them just clogging up the benches. That's not going to be the case for me next year. I'm going to be able to say these mid round rookie running backs, I'm going to be taking shots on them and loading the, up my, my benches with those kind of guys. Chuba Hubbard, Ramadre Stevenson, Elijah Ramadre, Mitchell. Yep. At some point, those guys, they may not have been league winners, but they were weekly winners and they helped you get through a week. And they and we're talking dynasty there. I traded, you know, second round pick, a second round pick for Chuba Hubbard. I traded a second, multiple seconds for Elijah Mitchell. So in the game of, you know, player acquisition and value. Those mid-round running backs, as soon as they get a chance to start, it provides you an opportunity to either play those guys or move them for draft capital or other players. I agree with you 100%. Yep, exactly. All right, let's turn it back to uh, on to you for your second biggest takeaway. Well, it rolls right into right off of what you just said. Rookies are coming into the NFL ready to go. Jamar 100%. Chase, Jalen Waddle, uh, Devonta Smith to a certain degree, Kyle Pitts. I know the touchdowns haven't been there, but these players are coming in. These skill position players are coming in and they are commanding work right away. And, you know, outside of injury, I'm sure if Rashad Bateman would have been healthy early on, he would have been a target monster. We saw Elijah Moore. It's just uh, my big takeaway is these these skill position rookies are coming in and they are being fed the ball. They are ready. 
Uh, I don't care if they sat out a season right. in, in college or what. They are ready to go, and you should not be fearful. If the draft capital is there, the situation is promising, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a shot on all of these guys and ready to play them from day one. Well, my second takeaway, and we haven't shared our takeaways with each other, but this nope. kind of rolls right into that one as well, is you talked about Jamar Chase and entering into the NFL right away. We have to remember that in the offseason, people were had spent a first-round pick on him in April, and they were shipping him away already before a game even played because there was the drops and the preseason and all this stuff. So for me, my biggest takeaway is don't panic on negative off-season chatter. There's there's certain instances where it's okay to buy in a little bit, but when we know the talent, and I'm going to go for not only for this year, but the year prior too, with Justin Jefferson. You remember that? With Jefferson, it was, he's the wide receiver three. He can't even get onto the field in, in training camp and stuff like that. And then with Jamar Chase, it was the drops. And, and people completely panicked. No one really wanted to go near him in redraft leagues. But in Dynasty, you had spent a first-round pick on him. And I know, I know there are people that spent a high first round pick on him and sent him away before the season had even started for much less than that because there was so much panic and people were going, well, maybe I should just get what I can right now. Next year, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going nope. to completely hit the panic button on because there is going to be someone, there's going to be something that comes up with some player and when we know the talent, when we have scouted these guys, when we know what they can do and what they can be for fantasy football, I'm going to stay true. And I'm just going to say, know what? I will, I'll live with the ups and downs right now, but I'm just going to hold tight with a guy like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, these other guys that I know the talent and there's a lot of outside other noise. I'm not going to let that affect my evaluation until I actually see them play a couple of games. I'm going to hold on to these guys after I draft them. Yeah, it's, 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 and you forgot another guy people were panicked on last year, Jonathan Taylor. Do you remember right, last right. year, there was a point in the season, and, and I remember it because I put a video out telling people not to panic, but people were like, he's a bust. We have to practice some level of patience with these rookies, right? Especially the ones that have the draft capital. They're in premium landing spots, ideal situations. Just be patient. I'm with you a hundred percent. Like, uh, I, I just stop fade some of the training camp preseason negative buzz with some of these guys. Um, and conversely, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of his biggest, I was one of his biggest haters coming into the draft, going into the season, but also being able to adjust on the fly and adjusting the new information like a Ramondre Stevenson who played very well during the preseason. And at that point I'm like, whatever I said before means nothing. This guy, if he gets an opportunity, he should be good. Right. And it's difficult to parse through some of this stuff, right? Because some of it is valid. There is some, some stuff, but when it's the negative, like I think with Trey Sermon, it's interesting to be able to look back on Trey Sermon and say like, there were some hints that Sermon just wasn't getting the job done. He wasn't rising to the occasion. And maybe that should have set off some of the, you know, the alarms in our head to be able to say like, okay, maybe Sermon isn't the guy that I want to ride with and maybe I should get out now. But really when it's the stars, the guys that we know who they are, we know what they can be. That's where I'm like, I don't want to let that affect and completely panic. Like you can let it adjust your expectations, but don't completely panic and just bail ship, right? That's the difference there. And we've seen that with Justin Jefferson two years ago and then Jamar Chase. If you had, you know, both of those guys on your dynasty roster right now, you'd be sitting in a very, very good spot. So let's turn it back to you. What is your third takeaway from the 2021 season? Yeah, my third takeaway is there are enough plays, there are enough balls, there are enough carries to go around. Don't be so panicked over 
you know, a rookie coming into a situation that it forces you to just disregard the veterans that are currently on that team. And I'm looking at the Cincinnati Bengals as an example. I'm looking at, you know, the, these teams, uh, as soon as Jamar Chase was drafted, like people hit the, it's time to sell T Higgins. Oh, yeah. It's T. over Higgins. for T Ooh. Higgins. Yep. Uh, T Higgins isn't going to do like, there are enough plays in this new age NFL to go around when the base formation for, I believe the number Kyle it's like 90% of NFL teams, their base formation is three wide receiver sets. There, there are plenty of passes to go around. So next year, if the Minnesota Vikings decide, you know what, Adam Thielen's getting a little bit older, we're going to take, and I'm just, we're going to take Garrett Wilson in round one, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Do not, Justin Jefferson's ADP should not dip any significant amount, if at all, because the Vikings decide to take a first-round wide receiver. There's a lot of smoke about the Miami Dolphins wanting to upgrade their pass catchers next to Jalen Waddell. Don't, don't knock Jalen Waddell down if they decide to take Drake London out of USC. Like There are enough passes. There are enough plays. There is enough opportunity to go around in an 18-week NFL season for your wide receiver two or three on the same team to be effective. And I think sometimes we just disregard the veterans – um, because a, a new body comes into the room. And I just think that's a fatal flaw of a lot of dynasty managers. They they swing way too far uh, on the pendulum. Like, just adjust. I think you said it best. Adjust right. your expectations. Don't just throw those players out to, to the wolves. Well, it's the shiny new toy. It's the shiny new toy that's coming into that offense with the rookie picks, and we don't know what they're going to be. And they, you know, we all this stuff where we then, you know, the guys that have been producing and have been helping us win fantasy football matchups, those guys are suddenly like, eh, you know, they're they're okay. They're not the shiny new toy, and so we completely just disregard them. And I've been guilty of that in the past, one hundred percent. But I th- do think that there's something completely valid to be said for that, where it's like, yeah, I think. Jalen Waddle, you know, he's still like a shiny new toy and we know who he is and Justin Jefferson and stuff like that. But there are some of the veteran receivers where they're potentially going to be replaced. And it's trying to trying to, again, parse through each situation. Each situation is is different. But being able to say, like, I'm not just going to completely drop this player because of this new rookie coming into town. I completely agree with you. One for me is something that I have noticed over the course of this entire season is something that dynasty managers do a lot. And so I wanted to point it out here is don't overvalue rookie picks in the future. And what I mean by that is looking ahead too far to, in uh, in this case, like the 2023 rookie class or the 2024 in some instances, so much can change between now and then where we have, yes, we still want to be able to hold onto our draft capital, but you and I have talked about this several times where it's like, I want the players that are going to help me win now. Like I can figure out the rookie picks later on. Like I can get those back. I can send away some of my proven assets to be able to get younger uh, and stuff like that. But when we have such a perception right now, specifically with the 2023 class with the first round where like they are people, there are people that are holding on to those like they are gold. And so for me to be able to say like, I'll take the veteran receiver, I'll take the proven guy who's, who's shown that he can get it done for someone who's overvaluing those rookie picks because we don't know what those picks are going to be. We don't know where you're going to be picking. You know, the first three picks of that class could be fantastic. The rest of the first round could suck. Like, we don't know that just yet. So I think there's a balance there. I'm just saying don't overvalue future first or first round rookie picks. I think there's definitely a balance to that. You're right. And you and I, Dynasty, very much similar. Because 
I, I have no problem trading future picks, right? It's all about what I'm getting in return. And if I know my league mates value those 2023 first like gold, and I can go out there and acquire, you know, uh, a, a rookie that I believe in that maybe didn't produce to the level we thought this right. season, whether that be like Elijah Moore. I'm just throwing names out there, right? Yep. And yep. I can package, I can get Elijah Moore plus uh, something for that 2023 first. I have no problem shipping it off. And here's why. The college game, it, it, do you remember who the consensus 101 in the NFL draft and the number one overall pick in Superflex Dynasty startup drafts was supposed to be in 2022? You remember who that was? His name is Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. And he, <laughs> and he, he was supposed to, I mean, I said it, uh, multiple analysts were like, this dude's a home run pick. He's going to be the number one pick in Superflex. Make sure you have it. He's transferred to South Carolina and hasn't even he won't even declare for the draft this year. So now you're sitting there trying to figure out, oh my God, he's not in there. Uh, Kevin Harris, this running back, he's not in the class. It just Eric Gray. So many things change. Where I, I just think there's a balance, right? I'm with you. I'm not a hold them all like gold, and I'm just going to acquire all these picks and trade away all these players. Uh, there's a fine balance between acquiring those picks, shipping them off for value. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people do sort of overvalue. At some point, man, you got to win. You're not going to win just having a bunch of draft picks. You have to win. So make sure that you utilize those those picks as assets to acquire players who are going to score you fantasy points in Dynasty. Absolutely. All right, let's go. What is this, fourth? Fourth biggest takeaway? Yeah, fourth biggest takeaway, and this works in seasonal leagues, but I promise you, you do not want to play this game in Dynasty Fantasy Football, startup drafts, I don't care what it is. Late round quarterback is absolutely, positively not the answer in Dynasty. I'm looking around the QB landscape, Yates, and I am in leagues where people, their starting quarterbacks are Ben Roethlisberger, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold. And I'm just looking like... This is not going to end well. Those are the managers who their team will be orphaned in a year and a half. Right. I will not play that game. You know, in the first couple of rounds, I have to have to walk away with two quarterbacks. And I I know sometimes it feels bad passing on CeeDee Lamb in the second. It feels bad passing on a Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry. But I, I, I promise you, if you are and there are dynasty managers out there right now who their starting quarterbacks, their youngest and best starting quarterback is a Carson Wentz. You do not feel good at all about your team moving forward. So I just, I continue to to hammer this, get your quarterbacks. I would much rather have uh, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and have that position solidified if we're playing super flex than like scrambling and, and banking on, Malik Willis in 2022 or a Carson strong and trying to figure like, you just don't want to play that game, man. Do you think that strategy holds the same for one QB leagues? Cause that's obviously like you talked about taking two quarterbacks within the first few rounds of a super flex league, 100% in agreement. If you do not have quarterbacks in a super flex league, you are not competing. I don't care what the rest of your roster looks like. You're not really competing for a title. If you do not have that quarterback position figured out. So does that hold the same though for you, where you talked about the late round QB strategy in a startup, does that really hold the same in a one QB format? I definitely think you can get away with it a little bit more in single quarterback leagues, but Yates in one of the dynasty leagues that I'm in single quarterback, I'll tell you this, it feels really good. And I didn't take him in round one. I didn't have to spend a first round pick on him, but it feels really good to have Patrick Mahomes as my QB one 
um, in that single quarterback league. Like, I just don't have to worry about it. I can I can take those chances on a Sam Darnold type guy later because I'm solidified. I know I don't have to worry about that position for the next 10, 11, 12 years. Um, if you are going to are going to take a quarterback earlier, earlier, not first round, not second round, but earlier in single quarterback leagues, my recommendation and advice is try to find the quarterback that provides you some value in positional scoring with their legs as well. The Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, the Justin Herberts, somebody that would give you a couple of points on the ground and, as well as do damage through the air. So for me, my fourth biggest takeaway, and this is something that, again, I want to point out what I see online, what I see in Twitter and some of the trends that I've noticed. And and for me, I'm going to say this right now. I do the t- dynasty trade value chart here uh, in place of Mike Tagliere uh, over here at fantasypros.com. I do that trade chart. So there is value in these trade charts. However, dynasty trade calculators are meant to get into the ballpark. They're not meant to be the judge, jury, and executioner of dynasty trades. So what we do with the trade value chart and what the purpose of dynasty trade trade calculators are supposed to be is to say, okay, I'm going to plug in these two names. Are we anywhere close? Okay, great. If we're in the same ballpark, then we can make this deal work because we can see the, depending on what the rest of my roster looks like, this is a need that I have. This position is a surplus, things like that. Then from there, we can at least tell like, is this a decent trade? And from there you move forward. What I see a lot is people pointing out and using trade calculators to say, oh, you lost this trade in dynasty by a wide margin. And it's like that. No, there's I you don't know that you lost a trade in dynasty until a year, two years down the road. And some of the trades that we make that we feel really, really good about a buddy of mine went back. uh, He and I look back at the trades that we made in our in our dynasty league. And some of them are just purely comical where we thought that the other uh, the other one just completely ran away with the trade. We thought that we won stuff like that. And looking back, it's like, oh, no one won in that trade. That was a terrible <laughs> trade. And so these kind of things where trade calculators, they have become the judge during an executioner online. And so what I want to say to people is like, don't take that mindset. These trade value charts, the trade calculators, they're meant to be used as a guide, as a way to be able to get into the same range and to understand, is this even a decent proposal? If it's not, then we can go back to the drawing board, but they're not meant to be the end all be all. So how how do you personally use those? Because I think this is this is an important topic because I think a lot of times, you know, you send an offer out and then somebody responds with a screenshot from the trade value chart or a trade calculator. Right. And uh, for me and 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 I I I need to hear your philosophy. Mm-hmm. I don't mind losing the trade. That that, right. that that means because I'm with you. You don't know if you really lost or won until a year or two later, unless something catastrophic happens and the players kicked out of the league or they they, they don't, they retire from the game of football. That's, that's the only way, you know, if you immediately lost the deal. Uh, but for me, I, I, I'm with you, Yates. If, if we're off by, you know, 50 points in value and you're getting the plus 50 and I'm minus 50, as long as I'm getting the player that I want the player that I believe in, the player that I, I think their situation is good. I like the talent. I don't care, man. I don't, it doesn't have to be 100 and 100 that I think we need right. to, people need to understand that's not what those things are for. Well, I think part of it is uh, teaching people how to be able to understand and construct great dynasty rosters. And that's part of the purpose of this podcast It's why you and I started it out originally, like to be able to teach people how to think through playing dynasty fantasy football. And so 
the greater context of a dynasty trade, there are so many moving parts in a dynasty trade. You have how the league handles and perceives certain draft pick value, uh, how trade happy the league is. Like in some leagues, you're going to be able to move other assets quickly. What's the current state of your roster? Like, do you have, do you need a running back desperately, but you have six or seven great wide receivers? Then you might have to overpay to be able to get that running back, but you're going to, you know, and that's going to show up poorly on a trade calculator and stuff like that. But that doesn't matter. You're looking at it from the perception of did this trade help my team right now get better? And that's the way that we need to be talking about it rather than saying this trade, you know, the minus 50 and plus 50 and stuff like that, like that. That is irrelevant for me. Someone will, you know, try to gloat and send a trade calculator back to me and stuff like that. It's like, I don't care because my team got better based on the way of how I'm thinking about constructing my roster, stuff like that. So again, there's value to those, those trade calculators. There's values to those charts to be able to get us in the ballpark and use them as a guide for people, especially that may not know exactly who the player, uh, they play dynasty, but, but they don't know the the you know the wide receiver four or five on another roster that they're trying to trade and stuff like that they don't want to get taken advantage of but that's the difference there where you have to say like we have to teach you how to think about dynasty in the right way versus just using those as a complete end-all be-all so all right let's move it on here let's go to your fifth takeaway and final one here yeah i i think the big one sort of encompasses a little bit of everything that i talked about um on this podcast episode yates but I think it's important for for all of us, for all dynasty uh, fantasy football managers to be able to adjust to new information, right? And I think it's really hard sometimes because we spend from, you know, January to to July, August, gloating over these these rookies, gloating over uh, when free agent landing spots happen. And we're just so excited um, for football. We're so excited for fantasy to come back that we're just like locked into our guy. Like this is my guy and hell or high water. I'm riding with my guy, but there are bits of information and there are new data points that happen from the draft all the way up to opening weekend and throughout the NFL season that forces you to adjust your line of thinking, right? It forces you um, to say, you know what? I really liked, uh, you know, Trey Sermon coming into the season, uh, but Elijah Mitchell is the one that's active on game day. And if you have Trey Sermon, uh, you're probably, you're monitoring that situation. But at, there's a point in time where there was still a trade window for Trey right. Sermon. And right. if you're if you're taking in this new information, you're like, this is not, this is just not going to end well. Move off of him. We'll use one of my guys, for example, Mac Jones. Think it was a fantastic landing spot for him. I like some of the wide receivers that they brought in, but it was ve- it was evident very early that Jonu Smith probably wasn't going to be a part of this offense. That uh, wide receiver of consequence probably not going to happen with the wide receivers that they have. And if you had a Jonu Smith, as much as you may love him, right, as much as you may love uh, Jacoby Myers and what he could become, they weren't going to throw the ball enough for those guys to be relevant. And I'm just using those uh, kind of examples because we kind of talked about those players. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, like it was evident that if he got an opportunity, he was probably going to be pretty good. You have to be able to adjust on the fly. And, uh, uh, you know, all your pre-draft takes mean nothing. They, they mean they they mean nothing as far as what's happening on the field. And we can go down team by team. Rondell Moore, I love him to death. 
But the fact that all his routes are being run behind the line of scrimmage, just right. not going to bode well in fantasy football. So you have to be able to adjust in Dynasty. You have to. And again, part of it too is like, don't, don't go too far, right? Like there's a balance right. of where we talked about it earlier where it's like, don't panic. Don't completely right. just drop right. a player like but at the same time you cannot get stuck on take lock and uh be to the point where you're saying like all evidence is pointing to the contrary but i'm gonna say like i'm still standing <laughs> with this guy no you have to be able to adjust and you have to be able to adjust. move and say like for me with johnny like that's a perfect example let's use that i love johnny smith i think he is an incredibly talented tight end so I, I think if he was i think if he was given the ball i think he would be a fantasy football superstar but he's not and so three weeks into the season it was like okay, this isn't happening. And all like, I'm in 10 leagues. I think I had Johnny Smith in nine of them. You know, it's like all of those. All right. I have to move on. Like I can't continue to roll out Johnny Smith into my starting lineup in hopes that things change. It's just not going to happen. So you have to be able to roll with the punches really in dynasty is to be able to say like, there are certain things that we can get so excited about. And so like Terrace Marshall, Terrace Marshall Jr. is another one where a lot of people were all in on Terrace Marshall. And it didn't happen it, in the first few weeks of the season. It wasn't happening. And there were still people that were like Terrace Marshall, Terrace Marshall. It's like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen here. When you have Robbie Anderson re-signing that contract extension, things like that, it's just not going to happen for me. My final takeaway here is, and I think this, this has been a motto of mine for, for a long time playing dynasty, but especially this year is to prioritize depth over star talent. Now that doesn't mean don't have stars on your roster. Like, <laughs> you know, but to be able to say like, I am rather than having a locked and loaded starting lineup where I can compete with any lineup in the, any, any team in the league in my dynasty league, but my bench is just absolutely terrible. Like I'm not going to be starting any of these guys. I want to be able to sell off a few of those assets to do the, the one for two trades, to be able to get some depth on my dynasty rosters, to be able to absorb the the injuries that are inevitable, the the drop-offs that are inevitable, like especially this year, guys like Allen Robinson just completely falling off, AJ Brown struggling, like all these other guys, I want to be able to have the depth where I can then turn to some of these other assets here to be able to plug in in relief of the players who either get injured or, you know, are not producing the way that we thought they were going into the year. So I just want to be able to prioritize that and, and say like coming out of 2021, especially where we saw COVID, you know, COVID lists, like the people that were added to the COVID list was just ridiculous this year. It's the amount is insane. And so to be able to say like having the depth on dynasty rosters, I think those are the people that are walking away with championships this year that have walked away with championships is like the guys who had the depth on their rosters to be able to withstand the injuries, the COVID list additions, stuff like that. That's what I want to be known for as a dynasty manager, rather than having a, you know, star studded starting lineup, but you know, they might not be healthy the entire year. Yeah. And I, and I think to that point, Yates, not all depth is created equal, right? You know, there's, there's a difference between uh, Tony Pollard as the backup running back to Dallas and Carlos Hyde. And I'm with you a hundred percent. Like if you had the Tony Pollard, if you had, I'm, I'm just going to say Melvin Gordon, I know he's listed as the starter, but people viewed him as the backup in dynasty. Some of those higher end, higher quality uh, backup depth pieces yeah, you may not use them early, but with the season length, you know, you know, 18 game season right. with medical protocols, like you have to clear, you know, these concussion protocols, like, and it just seems like players are just getting more injured now than they right. used to in the past. Seriously. Like you need to have the Chase Edmonds of the world, the James Connors, the, you, you need to have depth. And if you can trade 
I don't know. I'm just, if you can trade a, 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 a semi-star running back like a Kareem Hunt and be able to get you a Tony Pollard and another, you know, solid right. uh, Tyler Boyd. Tony Pollard and Tyler Boyd for Kareem Hunt. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Yep. Like, those exactly. are deals I'm I'm willing to do. I'm willing to take the lesser of the players, but to build some of that depth on the back end to where towards the end of the season – when situations are bad and you don't want to roll out DK Metcalf because they're not throwing the ball, when you can't right. roll out Jonu Smith because New England's not going to throw the ball, you've got depth pieces that you can actually play and feel confident about. I'm with you, man. Absolutely. All right. Those are our 10 biggest takeaways from the 2021 season. Ray, it's always fun chatting with you, man. What do you got always. going on here that you want to tell the people about? Oh, man. Same old, same old. You can find me on Twitter at RayGQ. I do the Wake Up Show with Jay Rich every morning, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to the RayGQ YouTube channel. Check me out. Thank you, Kyle, for having me on. You know I love coming on anytime you ask me and just talking strategy, talking fantasy, man. 100%, man. All right, that'll do it for today's show. For Ray Garvin, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.